What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast, the show that teaches you how to replace corporate with cash flow and helps you unlock your inner entrepreneur. Today's show is a cash flow case study from within the Action Academy community. Once again, if you are looking for your people, you're listening to these podcasts, and you need to be around people to actually help you implement them, to be on the Zoom call with you, asking you questions, answering your questions, walking you through deal analysis, and spreadsheets, and workshops, and workflows, then the Action Academy community is for you. Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly, yet expecting different results. So if you want to have a different 2024, why would you still do the same stuff in the same way, in the same order, with the same people, having the same conversations as you had in 2023? Right. So if you're interested in joining, go in the show description, click the link, book a call. Me and Caitlin will be happy to talk with you. And speaking of which, Caitlin is the one that is hosting today's podcast because it features none other than my good friend, Leka Defla, who is an avid real estate investor out of Seattle, Washington. Leka is a baller house flipper. And so today she goes deep into the techniques and tactics that she uses to flip these homes in Seattle, Washington for over $100,000 profit per home. This is a live call within the Action Academy. So please remember that there are no microphones. There is no traditional format. It's just going to be everyone on a Zoom call together. There's going to be some Q&A. There's going to be more live interaction. So I hope that you guys enjoyed today's podcast episode while I'm here in Medellin, Colombia. I am recording a bunch more in the studio here uh, to be able to post live for you guys coming up. So here is today's episode. And also there's going to be a small pause at the beginning, which is just everyone getting ready for the Zoom call. So guys, there's nothing wrong with the podcast, just a brief pause (laughs) before the show. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, Miss Laika, we're excited to have you on today and we'd love to hear your story and then we'll hop into all the questions and feel free guys to raise your hand or to um, pop your questions into the chat uh, whenever you have one for Miss Laika. Yeah, and also use the chat to tell me what you guys do and who you are and even like what um, city you're investing in. I always like to know who my audience is, so that'll help. But I'm Leka Devta, and I am in Seattle, Washington. I moved here from India about 16 years ago. And since um, after I moved here, I I had a W-2. I worked at Nordstrom Corporate and um, worked there for about eight years before jumping into real estate, seven years, I would say, uh, and then jumped into real estate full time. Um and it's been a roller coaster of a journey. It's never been easy, that's for sure. But at the same time, it's been super rewarding. And, um, you know, um, I've done some crazy things in my career in real estate investing. And now I get to be flown across the country, speaking at huge events. Um, I'm emceeing Bigger Pockets this year. Just like the opportunities are like so huge and endless. and um, and I'm, I'm just the real deal. Like, I'll tell you, it's not easy. I'll tell you that it's, you know, it's going to take a lot of hard work. You're not going to make money quickly. You're not going to get rich tomorrow night. Um, so it's, it's a long drawn out process. You need to have patience. You need to understand, you need to like, honestly, believe in yourself because no one else is going to believe in you. The market's going to crash all over you. People are going to steal deals from you. Contractors are going to run away. But um, if you can problem solve and you can stick with it, then 
honestly, the possibilities are amazing. I love that. You're amazing, Leica. And in regards to finding deals, so you you go ahead and give us the, you have quite the portfolio, but if you want to give us like the Cliff Notes versions of your portfolio, I know a lot of people in here are interested in the burr. They're interested in the flipping, Mm -hmm. all these different things that you're doing. So if you want to kind of, yeah, go into that and we can kind of go from there. Okay. One thing I'm going to address is a lot of you in the chat are investing out of state, like more power to you guys, because that the one thing that I completely suck at is investing out of state. And it's like, even if I have solid boots on the ground, for some reason, out of state just doesn't pan out for me. So amazing that you guys are able to do that. Um, So I invest locally here in Seattle. So yeah, so uh, my portfolio right now consists of um, about 32 rental units, which um, are made up of single family, multifamily, commercial. I'm also part of a $30 million syndication in Orlando, Florida as a GP. Um, and I syndicate deals. I buy, I still do fix and flips. Love. That's like my favorite asset mm-hmm. um, and favorite type of investing is fix and flip. I'm really good at it. Um, so, you know, I just, I love doing it. Um, I, I also like, I just love doing this. I, I buy like two to four units and then remodel them and hold them as long-term rentals and burr them essentially. Um, and then apart from that, I'm starting my first, uh, detached accessory dwelling unit this year. So I'm getting permits for that. I'm in the process of closing on that deal, getting permits and then building uh, ground up construction. But I've done all kinds of crazy things like land subdivisions, additions onto single family homes. Um, I started my first short-term rental and I also have this kick-ass office building that I redeveloped. And so the top unit overlooks um I don't know if you guys have been to Seattle but we have a really special lake called South Lake Union and the top unit overlooks South Lake Union and you can see jet skis um and you can see um seaplanes and it's and it's got like boats and it's the view is just amazing and um so I converted that top unit into an event space and I host my monthly meetups there I, um, people host their weddings and parties there. So it's just been a really fun journey of a crazy melange of things. I love that. We have a lot of people in this group that are looking to get into the two to four units. How do you go about deal finding, especially right now with how the market is? Honestly, same as finding your single family flips, go to like the wholesalers that know what they're doing in this market. The only way you're going to do a burr is through seller finance deals or assumable loans, lease options, you know, that kind of stuff. Like you have to get super creative with the creative with the financing or you buy like a really distressed property and you get it for dirt cheap, but you fix it up and um, hopefully it appraises for a lot more. That way you can get all your capital out and you can get a good interest rate on. If you get a good interest rate on it and your rents are high, that's one way to burn it. But otherwise, seller financing and creative deal financing options are the best way to go. Definitely. And you're very good at finding um, for these properties that are distressed. You have a, you've had a lot of great general contractors. And so uh, I know a lot of us are curious about how you go about budgeting for that, how you hire your GCs and, and all that. 
Um, yeah, so I started hiding my GCs. I'll tell you the wrong ways to do it, and then I'll tell you the right ways. <laughs> Perfect. To <do> <laughs> um, so when I first started, I literally like would go to a networking event, and if someone said they were the general contractor, I'd be like, "Great, I have a project. Come check it out." Come on, and then, come on. And then you you have it. Like this is your project. Go for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a $25,000 check. I don't know you at all. I don't know any of your references. I don't know if you've done any projects before, but here's a down payment check. Wrong way. Completely the wrong way to do it. Um, so you want to basically have your contractors that you work with be vetted by other people that you personally know. And so what I... Like I would go to Home Depot and kitchen and bath stores at 7 a.m. and talk to the people, the contractors that were coming in to pick up material. That was one way to find really good contractors, but they would never last. Um, so then what I started to do was I kept working with the same subcontractors, like electricians, plumbers, HVAC people. And I started asking them who their favorite contractors were, you know, who works with them on a regular basis, who shows up to work every day, pays them on time. And my subcontractors started giving me a list of contractors that they liked. And that contractor list is who I then started to use. And I still use my same contractor that I hired in 2018. He didn't even have a business license. I went to the city with him, got him a business license because um, I just saw fire in him. I saw fire. I saw hustle. And fast forward to today, we not only like not only is he my contractor, but he's also my private lender. <laughs> so like I'll find a flip and he'll do all of the rehab work, but also he'll uh, private lend the bridge financing. And then we split like we have an equity split or an interest only split. And the thing is, like he just wants to be able to utilize his money um, and grow it, but he's not super like, he's not like, Oh, I want a 50% split. Like that's not what he wants. He just wants like a 10% split or a 15% split, but he also gets to do the rehab and he makes money over there. And just because he's my private lender doesn't mean that he's going to get, that I'm going to get a break on the rehab. Um, he still charges me the full amount to rehab the property. And he also gets equity in the deal. And it's just a really way, good way, I feel like, to keep your contractors motivated. Um, but if you're brand new and you don't know your contract at all, I would honestly go in, talk to people that have worked with him, get his references, make him walk you through the other projects you've done. And sometimes, you guys, it's like so hard to do all this when you have a project and you have a hard money loan and your time, your clock is ticking and you just literally have to, you know, find someone and have them start. But if you just take these few extra steps, you're not going to have to go through the other hurdles that come with your contractor taking your money and running away or not finishing the job or doing a shoddy job on your project. So I would say vet your contractors big time. I love that. And it also makes me think about like your network that you've grown to, to where you're at now. Like you were in fashion merch. How many years ago were you doing that? Uh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And then fast forward to today. So how did you grow your network? Like after, um, I think actually they would love to hear that decision you had to leave your job and to go pursue real estate <clears> because 
that's probably the goal of 98% of the people in this group is they want to go from the passive W-2 to passive income to then passionate income. And so your story is very inspiring. If you wouldn't mind sharing that, how you had the courage to take that leap. Yeah. Um, so I actually uh, heard about real estate investing and flipping homes through a radio ad while I was driving to work one day. And I um, decided to like kind of, you know, dive into it and say, okay, what does flipping a home mean? Because I grew up in India and flipping homes is not a thing. You just basically <laughs> raise the property to the ground and you get like an empty lot and then you build from scratch. So there's no renovations. Um, and so I ended up going to a course and I did like a mastery program with this course. They were called uh, Fortune Builders. And um, the thing that was the best thing about the course was they introduced me to my network in Seattle. So it wasn't the course material. It wasn't the people that they provided, but it was more my network that they introduced me to in the local Seattle market. And with that network, I was able to basically grow my own net worth. Um, so that decision to quit, I, I didn't decide to quit at first. I was, you know, I was like, okay, let me, let me start my company and see how it goes. So for a few months, I just kept trying to hustle while having a full-time W-2. And then I realized that everybody I wanted to network with, like contractors or wholesalers or brokers, they all worked the same time that I worked, like mm -hmm. nine to five. And so there were there weren't a lot of people that were willing to meet me. Like I was a nobody, like willing to meet me after work. And so I decided, okay, if I want to do this and give it my best shot, I would have to quit my W-2. Now, I'm not saying you guys all have to go quit your W-2. Like I did, I was fortunate enough. My husband had a really good W-2. And so I, you know, we had one stream of steady income. And if you can't afford that or you don't have that, then I would definitely recommend being a broker or a wholesaler or something that actually generates money or going and partnering with other people that, you know, will get you where you want to go. Like local people in your area that are full-time real estate investors that you can partner with, they can mentor you while you're on your W-2 um, until you can quit your W-2. So, so then I just, you know, one day decided, okay, the whole like part-time real estate investing is not working for me. Um, so I decided to just, you know, put in my, I put in four weeks, like who even puts in four weeks? Wow. But <laughs> I put in four weeks. I, you know, help them hire someone, train them. And then I quit. Um, and once I quit, I was like, okay, now what? Like the first day I'm like, this is the first time I haven't had a job in since I quit college, right. Since I left college. So I was like, I don't know what to do. And you literally have to build this for yourself, brick by brick. Because I'm like, okay, I could go in this path. I could go in that path. Um, where where should I start? So I went on a website called Craigslist. Do you guys have Craigslist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went on Craigslist and I started calling distressed property sellers and brokers. Like anyone that had a distressed property listed for sale, I would call them and be like, Hey, I'm a real estate investor and I want to buy a distressed property. Like if you have something, please let me know. Now I never ended up buying any of the properties they had listed, but I ended up finding a really good list of sellers, um, which consisted of sellers and brokers. Uh, brokers that kind of knew how to find distressed properties, talk to sellers of distressed properties, and then also get me the deal. 
And then through my networking, I ended up putting my first house under contract in 2014. And that ended up being a huge, huge down to the studs remodel. And that's kind of why I got on this full gut remodel path. Wasn't that your, wasn't that three months after you had quit your job? Was it yes. you had deal? How did you accelerate? Like, how did you go from basically learning about real estate to you've, you've got it done in three months? How did you accelerate your speed? Because that's what I think most of us are trying to do is have this momentum. So go push forward. And how did you yeah. get that momentum going? Um, I went, I networked a lot, like anyone that wanted to sit and have coffee with me for five minutes, I would buy them a cup of coffee. And what I soon realized was there's only so much theory and books you can read and podcasts you can listen to. But if you don't have a deal, no one's going to take you seriously because people would sit down and be like, Oh, how many deals have you done? And I'm like, I'm just starting out. And then they'd be like, okay, see ya. You know? So I was like, okay, I need to do one deal to understand even the the life cycle of a deal, right? Putting it under contract, earnest money checks, and then going through escrow and title, um, and then closing on that that uh, distressed property, and then finding a contractor, fixing it up, then getting it on the market, and all the marketing that you have to do get to get it on the market, and then finding a buyer, and then having them go through your inspection, and you know your home inspection, and then negotiating with buyers and then going through escrow and closing on the deal. Like that is the whole life cycle of a deal that you need to understand. And I didn't know any of these aspects, like until I kept doing them. And so I think for me, it was okay. Let me just do one deal, um, understand the different metrics and what happens in the deal. And then buy my next flip. Like I was very, very clear on the fact that I wasn't going to do another deal until I closed on my first, mm. considering it was a fix and flip. Like if you're doing a long-term rental or buy and hold, that's different. But if you're doing a flip, then it's good to kind of understand what goes on in the flip. Um, and then I ended up buying two deals, then scaling to seven, 10, 15. So. I love that. And how many of these are, oh, sorry, excuse me. Go ahead. <laughs> I said, but it was gradual. Yes. Yes. All right. Mason has a question. Go ahead, Mason. Go ahead and ask her the question. Sorry. Just, I just right off of that. I wanted to ask. So when you were talking about, okay, you said if for those that are newer and you just have to basically jump in there, jump in, get your first deal. What, you know, knowing what you know now though, would you have any suggestions when, you know, for those that don't know as much about real estate, how do you get into that first deal? Is it more of just like a spray and pray kind of thing, call anyone that you can, and you know, just kind of do whatever you possibly can. Did you have like a, I don't know, like a way that you really got that first deal? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So my first deal I got, um, so someone that I worked with at Nordstrom left the company to go become an escrow officer. And so I had coffee with him and he was like, Hey, I'm working with a client who bought a flip from a broker and so I ended up meeting that client who then introduced me to his broker, who then introduced me to his managing broker. And the managing broker had a company where they would find uh, flips. They were wholesalers. And so I was like, okay, great. Like, I'm ready. Let's go. And so then they started sending me deals. And for one reason or another, it didn't work out. And then they finally sent me a house and they were like, 
well, you can buy this house, but you have to buy it sight unseen, which means you can't enter the house before you buy it. And so I had to trust them. Uh, although my gut said no, I was like, eh, I'm never going to find a deal or buy it. So let me just do it. And then whatever the hurdles are, like, I'll deal with it. And so I ended up buying this house and oh my God, they said it was a 60K reno and it ended up being a 120K reno. And they said that their contractor was available to do the work. And then after I closed, they said, oh, sorry, our contractor is super busy. So I was just like, fuck, like, sorry. But I'm like, well, how do I do, like, how do I go about finding a contractor and then spending all this extra money on fixing it up? And yeah, I interviewed 14 contractors for that project and I learned a lot. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm not going to give up. And then I ended up hiring the contractor that I knew he was not the cheapest. He was not the most expensive. Uh, I mean, he wasn't cheap and he wasn't expensive. He was somewhere in the middle. But what I knew about that guy was I was like, he is going to be so good at teaching me the process And that's who I want to associate myself with for my first project. And he was, he was amazing at just saying, hey, so first we're going to demo and then we're going to trash out, right? And then we're going to frame. And then there's plumbing, electrical, HVAC, insulation, drywall, texture, tape, mudding, and then the trim, like kitchen cabinets, tile, floor, electrical trim, plumbing trim, roof, exterior, siding, landscaping, and boom, your house is done. But that process, to understand that process, took a while. Wasn't overnight. <laughs> well, that's a lot, girl. I'm curious of like what part of the deals, like are you the um, the peer partner or like do you have any partners within your um, deals that you're doing? Or is this 100% you? Because you sound like you're doing it all. I, uh, I do it all. Yeah, I do it all. I don't have um, equity or JV partners. I do have private lenders. And I see a question about how to find private lenders. Well, um, how big is this mastermind? Like how many Um, people? We've got 115. Okay. That's 114 private lenders for you, Madison. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Um, So what I did was because I was part of that program, uh, the mastery program from Fortune Builders, we had a little Facebook group. And so I would go there and say, hey guys, I have a deal in Seattle, Washington. If someone's interested in private lending, let me know. Now what happens is because you're part of this group, there's already like a bond, right? Like you're like, oh, you're we're all part of this, the Action Academy group. And there's like a special bond because we're not, you know, if someone takes our, like if someone take, took my money from this group and ran with it, then everyone in the group's going to hear about it. And so no one's going to ever just take your money and go. And so there's like that foundational like bond and friendship. And so I just used to post my deals on that, uh, on our um, Facebook group. And I got like two out of five of my first deals funded on that group. Um, The next one that I did was I just went to other investors, not to friends and family because friends and family that don't get the art of real estate investing, especially when you're first starting out too. So I went to other investors locally and said, hey, if you're not doing a project right now and you have capital to invest, can you invest it with me? And so I would give them a really good equity deal, like 10, 15, 20%. And um, 
and then they would just finance it. So because the, the price point of a Seattle flip is a million bucks. And in 2014, it was probably 600 to 800K. It was still really expensive. And you need money to buy. You need money to rehab. You need holding costs. So it's a lot of money that you're going to need, a lot of capital. So if you have a good private lender, like that is the way to go. Yes, 100%. Anyone else have any more questions in regards to the lending um, or any questions? Thanks, Madison, for asking that. Um, I'm curious, you've made uh, over $100,000 with one flip. How the heck did you do that? And <laughs> how? What were the steps? Ever, that's everyone's goal and you've done it. No, actually, for the last <laughs> three years, every flip I've done, I made a minimum of 130K. My goodness. Um, yeah. And the max I've made on a flip in five months is 265K. And honestly, it's, um, I don't like when I get a project, right. I look at it from the buyer's angle and I didn't used to do this for a long time. I would just be like, okay, what is the quickest way for me to make money? Design this, build it, go. Then I started looking at, okay, what does the buyer care about? The buyer cares about curb appeal. The buyer cares about landscaping. The buyer cares about a kitchen, a master bathroom, a master bedroom, and how it all lays out. You know, how can I make my floor plans versatile? Like, these are all the things that go into the making of a really good flip. Um, I started to buy right. Like, I wouldn't buy deals on double yellow lines or busy streets. I wouldn't buy deals that sat on a cliff because that just, you know, shrinks your buyer pool to a very niche pool. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy deals that had happy neighbors. So I started getting really good at finding homes that were in great neighborhoods that were the worst looking, that had beautiful houses around it. Um, so so first it all, you know, it depends on how you buy the deal. Second, I didn't want to deal with basement dig downs or roof lifts. Like I didn't want to do all that. I wanted to be simple and I still wanted to spend a lot of money on my rehab, but it had to be less structural and more cosmetic. Um, and what I mean by that is I still do massively uh, structural deals, but I don't want to vault ceilings or lift roof lines or add rooms or add square footage. I want to work within the means of the existing footprint, but I want the floor plan to be super meaningful. It has to have a master suite upstairs with one or two bedrooms upstairs and maybe two bedrooms downstairs or the potential to add a bedroom downstairs. Um, so then I started to really focus on the trim, the finishes Everything from the inside and outside was spectacular. And when a buyer walks in, so this year I actually sold two flips when the interest rates were super high. Um, my broker came to me and she's like, hey, let's list this one at 1150. Um, that's 1.150 million. And I was like, no, let's list it for 1.25 million. And so we ended up listing it 1.25 and got 1.25. And, you know, it, it it just goes to show that when you have a really good product on the market, even in a crazy market, there's people willing to buy and spend money 
But if you're not, if you're skimping on something and it's visible to the buyer, the buyer can tell. Mm. My other flip, um, again, my listing brokers were like, hey, let's list it like under a million. And I was like, no, <laughs> let's list it for 1.1. And it's okay if you have to sit on the market for a few extra days, but I know we're going to hit it because the product is something I completely stand behind. This house had fruit trees, a beautiful flat backyard. Like it was just stunning. And so we listed for 1.1 and we sold it in four days. Oh my gosh. I love that you know your worth. That's amazing. (laughs) You have to know your worth and you can never be a desperate seller. And you have to have the confidence that you put out a really good product. Like if you hide stuff behind the walls, like don't get me wrong. I do work without permits all the time because to get a permit in the city of Seattle takes eight months and there's no way you're going to make money on a flip if you're sitting and waiting around for a permit for eight months. But at the end of the day, you have to hire licensed and bonded electricians, contractors, plumbers, because you don't want that liability of someone turning a light bulb or light switch down the road and the whole house catching fire. Like you don't want that liability. So you have to make sure that the work done is really good quality and you have to have um, the right people to work with that have licenses that know what they're doing. I yes. love that. Yeah, go ahead, Gino. Hey, thank you. Um, I just had a quick question on that. Um, so I, I did a house flip myself a couple months ago now, almost a year. Didn't go well. We didn't do too hot at all. <laughs> um, but I still really like it. You know what I mean? Like it's something I really want to do in the future and like keep doing. Um, but with the whole aspect of like, getting permits and everything is it are you kind of like leaning towards the fact that you know these bonded and insured like licensed people are gonna do work that won't require an inspection or like you know what i'm trying to say so every project is gonna have an inspection right like when a buyer buys a house they're gonna do a a buyer's home inspection right So you need to find licensed and bonded people that know the city code that are doing work to code. Like one of my projects got red tagged last year. What that that means is we did the work without permits. So then when the city is caught, like I think a neighbor called us out and said, oh, there's all this work going on and I don't see a permit in the city of uh, Shoreline. And so the city came by and they basically put a stop work order because we were doing work without permits. So then we said, okay, let's have an inspection. So the city then sent out an inspector to say, okay, what work needs to be changed or fixed or whatever, right? When the city inspector came out, he was like, oh my God, you guys didn't pull permits, but everything's done to code, Mm. right? Everything's done to code. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Like as long as the work is getting done right, it's kind of not as big of a deal as... Exactly. Okay. Okay. You yeah. want to make sure, it, like, yeah. We changed, like, an AC unit, and the, the the buyer just ended up being crazy and was trying to get us for everything, and the AC worked fine, but I guess she knew that we didn't pull a permit, so she, like, tried to harass us for that, but. Yeah, but you know what? And then if you if you have to go retroactively get permits, um, and if the work's done right, then the city's going to be like, well, the work's done right, and here's your permit, and you can move on. That's exactly, but thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you. All right. It looks like um, Mitchell had a question. It kind of was a little bit similar to what from earlier um, about navigating through this market and yeah. the hard money loans. Um, I think you touched on that uh, very nicely. And then also Fernando had a question. Um, Fernando, you're welcome to come on if you want to add any more to that question. And then we've got two more people raising their hands. Oh, it looks like Chino's is still on. Fernando, did you want to ask yours on? Ready? Um, I can go ahead and respond to Mitchell's question. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Navigate this market with the high interest rates on private money, hard money, and countering that with low inventory. Um, you basically have to adapt to the market, right? Yes, the hard money, like my hard money went from being 7% to now 10.75%. And sometimes I would pay no points to now 1.75 points. Um, and I think you just have to make sure that even in this market, but even in this market, I'm finding deals on market and off market. So if you can constantly have a good pipeline of people saying, hey, this deal is amazing and we just want to give it to you. Like I stopped buying deals from a an email blast about seven years ago because I'm like, I'm worth more than just an email blast deal. I want my wholesaler to call me and say, this deal was made for you and then not have five other people walk it with me and just give me the deal. Just have me go walk it, say, okay, I love it or not. It's a hard pass. But I want to be able to make that decision independent of who else is waiting on the sidelines to buy this deal. So if you can build up your wholesaler pipeline and build up your network and blast into the into the universe, say, you know, you're a real estate investor, you're looking for a flip, you are a damn good real estate investor because look at your friends um, and look at who you network with and, you know, start like spreading the word. Another really good way to find deals is if you host a meetup or have a Facebook group. So in your market, like I saw a lot of people living in one state, working in another state. If you go and start a Facebook group or a meetup in the state that you're investing in, in the city that you're investing in, that is the best way to network with lenders, with hard money lenders, with uh, with your private lenders. Someone had that other question. So Great way to find private lenders. Great, great way to find deals. Um, and then just post on your social media like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my past project. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, where I want to buy and see what happens. Like people are going to start bringing you deals. They're going to, because you're going to be top of mind for them. And who are the, these wholesalers going to call? Is someone that they just spoke to that is looking for a deal. So constantly keep networking. And even in this market, it is possible to make money. I love that. Awesome. And in regards to Freddie's question, it sounds like you answered that a bit as well. But did you also use VAs? Um, I mean, you used wholesalers, of course, and your lenders. Anything yep. you wanted to add to that? When I first started, I did a direct mail campaign and I was really bad at it which is why I decided not to pursue that anymore and instead network with like-minded people. And so I have, um, I don't have VAs now, but I used to have VAs like cold calling sellers all across the city. 
Um, but today it's mainly real estate brokers. I am a broker myself. So I go on the MLS and I look for properties. Um, it's uh, wholesalers. Wholesalers are a huge part of my deal pipeline. And I have such a steady pipeline of deals that I'm just like, I don't even have time to do the deals that I'm getting. Like I see <laughs> right now, I see five to 10 deals a day. And I'm saying no to most of them, maybe one a week that I'm even interested to go see, but I'm constantly getting deals and it works. It really works. Wow. What you're doing is working because most of us are looking for deals and you've got them just thrown at you, girl. You have a good yeah. system. <laughs> I love that. Because I've been doing this a very long time. You've earned it. You've earned it. Uh, that's amazing. All right, Mason, you had another question? Yeah. So just listening to everything that goes into what you're doing. I mean, you're working with so many different kinds of people, so many moving parts, so many different things going into even just one deal. How did you go about setting up whatever kind of system it is that you have in place? How did you set that up so that you don't have to be talking with every single person or at every single location at every single time and when everybody's finished like how did how did you set that up so that you're not everywhere at once I am kind of everywhere at once oh you are okay (laughs) (laughs) um but I do like you know I what I did was I started working with the same set of people like every single deal like I have the same escrow company the same stager the same listing team the same transaction coordination team um the same lenders, the same wholesalers. And so like when you create that pipeline, then things flow much faster, quicker with the same contractor. So now everyone knows, okay, Leka's buying this deal. And all the wheels just, you know, run into motion. And till we get to closing and at closing, my contractor takes over and boom, we start construction. Um, And so just working with the same people and working with them for like, almost 10 years, that's a long time to build that partnership, right? So like my escrow company, my escrow agent and I are so close and you, we undervalue these different professions, but honestly, they're all pieces to the puzzle. Like I went on a contract one time with a seller who really wasn't even in his right mind. Like he was just like, you know, he was kind of, he was very old. Um, He had memory loss and he sat with me in his living room and he signed the PSA And then the next day he was calling the escrow company saying, oh my God, I don't know what I did. Like uh, Leka came into my house and got this deal under contract and he's calling my escrow company and my escrow company is like, look, we know her really, really well. We work with her on a lot of transactions. She would never do that to you. You actually said you wanted to sell your house, but you have now changed your mind and that's okay. We'll work with her and, you know, help you break the contract. But like, we trust her enough to let you know that she would never do that to you. So like my escrow company has my back, right? Um, So just finding the people that you can surround yourself with and being good to them and then them being good to you, that's how you create your team without having to hire everyone um, into your organization. I love that. Any other questions that y'all have for Leika? She seriously knows everything about everything <laughs> in regards to real estate, every single facet. Um, such an asset to the community. Um, I am curious, um, kind of to go back to something we touched on in the beginning. Um, 
it really is a barrier for a lot of people mentally to leave their job and to think that this is now my time. I can now focus on real estate. I know you had the support of your husband in this, um, but what advice would you give to somebody in this group who's like, I'm ready to leave my job. I have a hundred thousand sitting on my bank, just chilling. I can go do big things. How can they go take that leap to be an entrepreneur? Um, it's honestly something that you just have to commit to. Um, you can't do this with doubt. I mean, there's it's good to have doubt, right? But you can't be so doubtful that you are going to fail. Instead, you have to tell yourself that, hey, no matter what the problem is, I'm going to find a way to solve it. I'm going to find someone that can solve it for me, or I'm going to find something that will solve it for me. Um, if you have a hundred K, like the first thing I would do is find another, like a mentor or, you know, someone to partner with and, um, and, and then start investing, seriously start investing and maybe do one deal so that it gives you the confidence. Like you don't have to be like me, like, Hey, I'm just going to do my job today and then go to do this full time. You can do a deal or two part-time and then, when you have that confidence, it's going to be so much easier for you to just quit your job. I know that's such a comfort for like everyone in this group to hear that, like just doing it on the side, building up that confidence. Cause that's, that's why we're all here is we're just trying to build up our confidence and our mindset. Yeah. It's not a money problem. It's a mindset problem. And we're all working on it. <laughs> and exactly. so we have a couple, <laughs> we yeah. have a couple more questions. One from Hayden about the hours you're working and your long-term goal. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the hours I'm working, I would say I'm still working, I don't know, a good um, 50 hours or so. The thing is, it's very erratic. Like, it's not like, okay, I'm going to start work today at nine and then end at five. Um, I have four calls to make after I finish this meetup. So it's like constant. And then but it never feels like work, which is what is amazing because I get to talk to a broker. I get to talk to a venue manager. I get to talk to um, um, my stager. And then I, you know, so it's just like, it's very each, each, you have to be very good at wearing different hats and context switching. But if you can do that, then it just never feels like work. Like it's just going to be so fun and, you know, um, and I love it. So I work weekends. I work late nights. No one's holding you to a certain number of hours or time. Um, so, and and just know that what you put into this is what you get out of it. So if you say, hey, I only want to work three hours a day, then great. You will get back three hours worth of what you put in. So it just depends. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I'll go in the middle of the day to get my nails done. I'll go have lunch with someone like, you know, um, and it doesn't feel like I've missed a beat. Because I'm constant, like even when I sit in the car, I answer emails or if I have long drives and I'm scheduling meetings at that time. So, you know, um, it doesn't honestly feel like I'm working all the time. I love that. I think it's because you probably just love people. Like you love just talking with everyone all day. (laughs) You're just like having fun, going out, eating. And just, I think you just love what you do because like you just love people and they just love you. So it's, it's a fun relationship. Um, And then what is my long-term goal? My long-term goal is to create like so much passive income that 
I don't have to worry about like, oh, I want to do five deals this year to make that income or I, you know, like, I just want to be able to build out my passive income arm so solidly and, and stable, stabilize the whole thing. So, yeah, but it it takes time. It takes time to do that. Awesome. And then Jamara with her, what's wrong with the out-of-state deals for you? I know you love to do the in-state because it's nice probably because you just have an eye on them, but for out-of-state, what was the issue for you with those? Okay, so I have a flip I'm doing in Raleigh, North Carolina right now with my brother so I could get him into the business. And oh my Lord, like poor guy, we've had more problems in this than I've had in the last like 75 deals that I've done. Um, So we had to fire three different contractors. And the first contractor said that he pulled all the permits. He didn't. And then we had to fire our real estate broker because she kept lying to us. And now we're retroactively getting all the permits because we want to sell the house with permits to get more money. And so it's just been like, I've owned this house since December, 2022 or 2021. And so I've never owned like a short term fix and flip for that long, but it's just been the gift that keeps on giving. And I know that if I was in state, um, or if that was in Seattle, this house would have been sold like two years ago. But because I'm not like I don't have eyes on the property, it's just really hard to manage from over here. Was it uh, hard to get that team over there in Raleigh? Because it sounds like the like the people over there are just not your typical cup of tea like you have over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just been hard like finding the right people and trusting them once you find them because I'm not there. So I can't be like, hey. Who are your friends? Who are referrals? Let me walk your properties. Um, and so it's just challenging, which is why. And my my brother is amazing. He's like me 2.0. And still, it's been so hard to get this thing done. I'm never doing out of state again. <laughs> well, you're already doing great at what you're doing now. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And Jordan says, when you're working with equity partners, how is that set up? Mm-hmm. LLC, et cetera. Yeah. So I uh, typically when I'm working with equity partners, it's through a promissory note. They're not on my LLC or my deed of trust. And it just depends on how comfortable your private lender is with lending to you and who they are in your sphere. Um, I have also done that where I bring on my partners on the deed where we're truly like a JV partnership and where I get 80% of the split, they get 20%. Um but typically, if they're putting down 10% of the project um, capital, then they get 10% of the equity split. If they're putting 15%, they get 15% equity split, 20%, and so on and so forth. Um, but they're just on the promissory note. They have nothing to do with the LLC or the deed. So they don't, they're not a lien holder. Awesome. Then Hayden talks about the, you mentioned having 30 rentals. Do you self-manage or use property management? Oh, no, no, no. I do not self-manage anything because I would just let my tenants run with my homes. So (laughs) I'm a terrible property manager and I don't do it. I actually have an amazing property management team um, that leased from me in one of my buildings, which is amazing. So my property manager is on site at one of my buildings, but they manage all of my my rentals. Um, I don't see them. I I only hear about them when something goes wrong and it's a big item. Then I hear about it. But otherwise, 
it's all managed by them. Awesome. Does anyone else have any last questions? Because like you've got a busy night ahead of you, former calls girl. We let you off early to eat some more chocolate before you head out. (laughs) (laughs) Any more questions that y'all have for her? Okay. Well, Laika, where can we find you at? How can we connect with you? How can we support you in your journey? And just, we just love what you're doing. Thank you guys so much. You are such an amazing group. Great questions. You can find me on Instagram, just my first and last name, or I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn and I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And if you don't have LinkedIn, like hopefully you'll go make a page today. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's where like Instagram is great for followers and quantity of leads, but LinkedIn is where your quality of leads, especially if you're looking for private lenders, LinkedIn is a great platform to go talk about your work and connect with the LinkedIn community. And I have found so many amazing private lenders like be like, hey, we checked out your LinkedIn page. We think you're so legitimate. We want to fund to you. So helpful because so many of us are looking for capital partners within this group. And so thank you for that. Yeah. So Thanks so much for hopping on with us and hope you all enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, we'll see you on bigger pockets, Laika. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, guys. See ya. Have a good night. Thank you.